Welcome to Banking on KC. I'm your host, Kelly Scanlon. Thank you for joining us. With us on this episode is Roy Scott. Roy is a founder and CEO of Healthy Hip Hop, an online platform that infuses hip hop culture with innovative technology education and an upbeat, positive message. Welcome, Roy. So glad to be here, Kelly. I've heard a lot about healthy hip hop over the last several years, and it's been fun watching the company evolve. Tell us about healthy hip hop and emphasis on the word healthy. That word really intrigues me. Healthy hip hop, what we do is, you know, take that urban hip hop beat and then just put a positive message over for kids focused around education and health and wellness. And we found success with using that as a learning tool to improve focus and engagement and behavior with young children. And so the emphasis on healthy, and it's almost like the company, obviously, we're a tech company, but healthy hip hop is like a its own new genre of music uh, for children and families. And so healthy really stands for a few things in, in this regard, healthy messaging, also healthy lifestyles. We want kids to get up and get active and exercise to the music and to our programming. And then also healthy mindsets. We want these kids to still be able to enjoy hip hop music and culture, be able to do that with a healthy message that's going to have them having positive and healthy thoughts. So it's just about just overall, just overall good health and wellness for kids. That's mental, physical, and spiritual. So tell us about that background. What inspired healthy hip hop? For sure. So again, I was that kid who just loved hip hop music and culture. Growing up, I did not have a lot of guidance around me and I didn't understand the importance of education. And so uh, after graduating high school, I had an opportunity to go to college on a scholarship and play some division one basketball. And I decided, nope, I'm going to trash all that because I wanted to be a rapper. I mean, that's how much I love music. And I was really kind of just attracted to the lifestyle and the allure. Dedicated if you gave up a scholarship like that. Yeah. It was still just wasn't very bright because somebody could have told me, hey, you know, you can go to school and rap. You can do both, son. (laughs) Started that journey. And had my light bulb moment when I was picking up my son, Justice, from school. I was a young father. I was playing my music, and I noticed him repeating it word for word. You know, those lyrics promoted drugs, violence, misogyny. And that was just my light bulb moment. Like, wow, you know, I can't be this kind of influence on my son or anybody else. And I was also reflecting on how influential, you know, hip-hop music was on me. And that's what inspired me to create a positive alternative and healthy hip-hop was born. How long did it take you from the time you had that light bulb moment of inspiration to actually change course and introduce healthy hip hop? Healthy hip hop wasn't born instantly, but it was an instant change in my mindset and my behavior and my direction in life. And so really the the initial change was, you know what, I'm actually no longer rapping. I'm only going to focus on my wife, my children and building a a better lifestyle for my family. Like that was my main focus. And I said, you know what, I'm done rapping. But as I committed to that and really got stronger in my faith and really got stronger in my walk and my purpose, you know, I had the vision to, you know, hey, I'm gonna repurpose this. I wanna do this for kids. So I seen how impacted my son was. So how come I can't, you know, create something positive for my son? So it started with the music. So I was gonna say, that's probably about a nine month process where I. I just created my the first album that was called Listen and Learn. That was originally our value proposition because parents really loved the music because it sounded relevant to what was on the radio, to what they were hearing like in the communities. So it, it kept that cultural relevancy of like the hip hop music, but it was all clean. And so mm-hmm. 
immediately kind of got buy-in from the parents. And at first, I wasn't calling it healthy hip-hop. I was just doing, like, kids' music. And then as we continue to grow the music and the brand and the different offerings, because our North Star is to become an iconic children's brand. And so as it started kind of unfolding, that's when healthy hip-hop, like the branding and the new genre and the business of healthy hip-hop was born. And you embraced the school systems, entered the educational technology market. How did you break into that? And what advice do you have for any of our listeners who are entrepreneurs and are trying to break into new markets like you did? Yeah. So for us, it really just happened organically because when we first started it, we weren't even thinking like this is going to be an educational play. But then just naturally, we found teachers were using healthy hip hop in the classroom setting. They were using it to start their day or like a morning energizer to help their kids get, you know, excited and focused for the lesson plans. They were using it for brain breaks. And so we also started doing a lot of live events and schools were booking us. And so really it was just paying attention to the market and where we were getting that traction at. And that's when we kind of made that turn. And so what I would suggest is do a lot of customer discovery and market research and see you know, where you're, you know, finding success at and then kind of focus on those areas to start to really pick up that steam and that traction. That's a great observation because I've talked to so many entrepreneurs who really thought they knew their market, but then when they started talking to their customers, the light bulb went on about so many other ways people were applying their software or whatever, their product, whatever it might be, that they hadn't even originally intended. And some of those were more lucrative markets. A hundred percent. And even with us, we were starting this company and we were really getting a lot of uh, love and support. But when we decided to, you know, obviously start raising capital, we were not just your typical Midwest or Kansas City investment. We were kind of outside of the box. And so it helped us in that regard, too, because now that we entered the education space, we made that pivot to ed tech, ended up getting accepted into some programs really early in Kansas City. We got the Launch KC grant. We also had got the Lean Lab education opportunity. And that really helped us fine tune our business model. And that's what really got us into, you know, talking to the schools directly, talking to, you know, the parents and different partners to really understand the best use case. And so within doing that, then that really positioned us to actually receive an investment and be able to validate, hey, this is our business model and this is how we're going to successfully scale the company. Exactly. And I believe that you were involved in the scale up program as well. And that that helped to guide some of your decision making, too. Correct. We were in scale. We pretty much everything. <laughs> we were just kind of went through all of the trenches, really trying to figure out, okay, how we're going to make this a successful business and also try to get some of that early stage funding. How did you get introduced to those programs? Because Kansas City is so rich with startup programs like that. And yet so many startups are unaware of them. So I always love to give them a little bit of love, you know, whenever it's appropriate so that people who aren't aware of them go out and take advantage of them. So so how did you get introduced to those programs? I came out of a really tough situation with Shark Tank where, you know, we pitched, got a deal with Kevin O'Leary, one of the biggest sharks, hardest sharks to close. And basically it all got thrown in the trash can. And so after that is when we realized that we have something special, but we just didn't really have a strong business model. And so at that point, I was like, you know what? I really have to see what Kansas City has to offer. So I started Googling. I also started reaching out to some individuals in my network. And that's when I learned at that time, One Million Cups, I believe it's still going pretty strong. We did like One Million Cups. And so really just started reaching out 
you know, had to do, just be proactive and kind of do some Googling and finding like, what are the different entrepreneurial like activities and reaching out also within my network of who can I talk to uh, about what's really happening on the scene. And then once I, you know, got in and started having those conversations, then that's when I was kind of pointing in different directions. Like I said, starting with Kaufman Fast Track, and then it kind of just grew from there, building those relationships and then finding these other opportunities. So at this point, you are creating the content yourself. You're doing the live performances yourself. You are attending classes and, and you're involved in programs. And it's you and your partner at that point. And so you're business model really had its limits. You could only expand as far as you personally had the bandwidth to do so, you know, however many hours in the day that you had. So what was the breakthrough that allowed you to really ramp up across the country? I guess what I'm asking is how do you replicate yourself doing what you do? Absolutely. And that was part of the, you know, the, the shift of mindset and also understanding how we're going to scale this business because we were finding success going and being in schools and doing these live events. But as you said, big picture, that wasn't scalable. And so for me personally, as I started doing my research, as I started getting these programs and started thinking about things differently, you know, and also seeing what was happening in every industry when it came to technology. So it didn't matter if you're talking about the music industry, you're talking, you know, Spotify, Apple Music, Tidal, whoever created the innovative software, they were scaling. If you were talking about the film industry, it was Netflix, Hulu, going down the list. If you're talking about the automotive industry, it was Uber, Lyft, et cetera. So each industry, and you can name anyone, whoever was creating the innovative technology, that's who was winning. And, you know, there's a lot of big names like that, but there's also a lot of small ones that people don't know about that are still having a substantial impact and making revenue. And so at that point, I knew we had to make the pivot to the tech. And so again, when we're doing our customer discovery, say, okay, once we create this online platform for educators, now we can be at thousands of schools at once. We don't have to physically be there. So they can simply create a unique login. They have access to our content, educational resources that they can use to help improve you know, their learning environments. And so that was the first start of it. And then understanding the parent use case, we wanted to develop the mobile application. So now it extends from the schools into the homes. And so now through the app, parents can stream the music, but they can also create these kind of TikTok style videos. And so that was always the vision. And then it was the challenge of non-technical founder of bringing on the right developers, finding out how I'm going to get this built. So that's the journey I've been on. And now slowly but surely figuring it out. We got the right investors. We got our tech built and it's still testing. It's, it's in a public beta right now. We got about over 6,000 active users and getting prepared for a full launch. So who would you define as your primary customer? You've mentioned schools. You've mentioned parents. So is it directly to the schools? Is it the school districts? Is it individual teachers? Yeah, so that's how it's broke down, really. It's kind of some different levels to it. So it's a B2B to C model. So we do sell directly to schools and school districts. But as we all know, in the ed tech space, that is a challenging sale. So we also sell directly to corporate partners. Also, right now, there's a lot of co corporate social responsibility to CSR money that is that can underwrite a school or a district or a community to have access, you know, to this social impact kind of, you know, opportunity through healthy hip hop. On that level, on the B2B, the customer is going to be the individual school, the school district. We're also working with hospitals and corporate partners. So that's on the kind of B2B side. Uh, direct to consumer would be 
focus right on the parents. And we're seeing most of our engagement from mothers between the ages of uh, like 25 to 45. So really focus on the parents, but then also an individual teacher can purchase healthy hip hop just for their classroom as well. So that's how we kind of segment our customers out. How do educators work healthy hip hop into the curriculum? I mean, I understand that you have it available in a format that's similar to a video. So take that video for me and explain how teachers actually use it within the existing curriculum. Absolutely. So what we're seeing here in the education space, a lot of the times, as we know, these educators, these are some of our most important people, but they're a lot of the times they're overworked and underpaid. And so it's hard to infuse an entire like curriculum. So what we consider ourselves is more of a curriculum support. Mm. So, for example, the top use cases that we're seeing in the school is, again, they'll start their day. Kids will stand up and do like these kind of morning energizers so they get kids up, get them active and help get them focused on the lesson plan. So for example, we were working with a Dr. Sarah Burns and she's in the Chicago public schools. It was taking her roughly four minutes or so to get her kids locked in, focused and ready to go. You know, once she started using healthy hip hop to start her day, she was able to get that to under a minute, around 45 seconds. Wow. Starting their day with healthy hip hop to kind of, hey, let's, let's get up, get active and let's get focused and locked in. Then throughout the day, let's say they come back from lunch, they'll do like a brain booster. So they'll still kind of get up and be physically active. So a lot of it's been more movement based to start, but we also have like music and content that does address certain academic themes. And going forward, we're building out more content and, and actual programs that's focused on literacy for K through three, helping kids with reading comprehension and vocabulary, you know, through rhyming words. That's how the best use case right now is kind of more movement based. Now, when it extends into the home, now this is where kids, because this is the first generation of fully native internet and social media using children. And most of these platforms are not built with them in mind. I mean, for example, when we were doing shows at schools, I just did a virtual assembly yesterday, but so we're still doing some virtual assemblies. Uh, but when we were actually going physically to schools, we would see later that day, a second or third grader uh, sends us a DM on Instagram, right? So obviously we have to block these kids, but <laughs> this is showing these kids are earlier and earlier having access. And so within the Healthy Hip Hop app, kids can create and publish and share these kind of TikTok style videos, but it's within our safe circle technology. So the only people that they can share that with is their family members, uh, their classmates, and their educators. And so now they get to kind of create and share in the safe space. And, and it's really kind of creating that connectivity from teacher, student, to parent, uh, because we really believe that's important. You know, obviously, teachers have a lot of responsibility in what they're doing, you know, like in the schools, but also a lot of it, you know, these kids, it has to do with what's going on within the home. So we're trying to create that connectivity there. As you've created your content, as you've mentioned, you've focused on literacy, you've focused on movement. I think you also have some content around STEM. How many songs do you have out there and what are some of the more popular ones? Yeah, so I actually I brought on a, my new co-founder, name is Wes Smith. And so Wes, the creator of PJ Panda, and he's like, PJ Panda is like what Mickey Mouse is for Disney. That's what PJ is for healthy hip hop. <laughs> and so we've created a crew of characters around him as well. But some of our best songs actually right now is like that again, the most engagement, honestly, one of them is the happy birthday song. So we did like a new birthday song where <laughs> a lot of people are celebrating. So really not a lot of educational content to that, but just uh, just fun and where they get to celebrate. Today is your birthday. We gonna say it loud. Today is your birthday. 
We also have another song that's more based around financial literacy. It's, it's called you know, Save Money. So basically there's this new phrase kind of uh, in the hip hop community called run up a check, which means go and make some money, you know? So we, we, we have run up a check and save it. And so we're talking about financial literacy. So those two have been getting a lot of traction. And then also with the younger demographic, we've repurposed some like popular nursery rhyme songs. So we did like a remix to like Baby Shark. We did a remix to Humpty Dumpty. Fall down now y'all dusty. Big, big head all lumpy. So within the app right now, we have 150 original songs. And so right now the app is live on iOS and Android, but still like a public beta, but we're still letting folks test it out. But for our official launch, we'll have over 200 original songs in the library and be putting out at least 10 new tracks uh, monthly. Yeah, pretty ambitious there. So you said it's available on iOS and on Android. And is that just under healthy hip hop? Is that what people look for? Correct. You just search three words, healthy hip hop, and you will find the app there. Yes. You've been through several rounds of capital raises. You know, you mentioned that you have investment money. Uh, Some entrepreneurs say that's a full-time job, but because you are so personally integral to the day-to-day running of the business, to the content development, and so many other things that you're doing, how have you managed all of that? That is a great question. I don't know, just by (laughs) sheer... uh, is faith and resiliency because I'll tell you what, it is a full-time job. And so in the trenches of raising capital, a lot of the times I haven't been able to give my full bandwidth to obviously instead running the business and making sure everything is is running efficiently. So it's good that I've been able to bring on my co-founder. He's helping a lot. I've got a couple other uh, part-time and, you know, I have some strong advisors who really believe in us. So I've been able to really delegate and lean on my support system to make sure that we're firing on all cylinders. But yes, raising capital can be extremely challenging, especially like I said in the Midwest for what we're doing, because we are not a typical, you know, Kansas City investment, but we have found some success, but it has been hyper challenging. It's actually a whole other conversation we've to get to, but I'll just say mental, the mental health side of it, just really trying to stay mentally strong through it all and keep pushing through and we've been able to get there there's been some challenging moments but we just have to stick through it and and, uh just see it through when you look at your son now how has what you have done impacted him at this point you mentioned he was on the cover is he still involved at the company at all or talk to me about that relationship and how it's changed because of the pivot that you made absolutely well he's still involved uh, in the business side it's exciting because I get to lead by example by showing him, listen, you know, anything is possible. You need to go after your dreams. You need to, you know, find what you're passionate about and go for it. So he gets to see that. And I like to include him on everything, like as far as we're rolling out new iterations of the app or, you know, if I am fundraising, trying to help him to understand as much as he can. Some of it he still doesn't quite get, but he's still starting to understand just the concept of, you know, entrepreneurship. It's helping shape me. And in return, you know, I'm, I'm trying to lay him a solid foundation and put point them in the right direction education wise. So like I said, when I came up, i lacked the guidance. I lacked understanding the importance of education. He does not like that. You know, he still, he'll still make mistakes. You know, of course we all will, but I'm still there to guide him and say, Hey, listen, son, you know, mm-hmm. this, this is the track you need to be on this, you know, make sure you're focusing on education. You need to lock in right now. So he's actually, he's even at Rockhurst, you know, so, so just trying to get him, 
set up as best as possible. So it's almost like iron sharpening iron. So I've been learning so much from him and he's been my motivation. And I've been trying to show by example and I can see just because he's re- just a really good kid and he's uh, just mature beyond his years. And it's just been a, it's been a blessing. And the impact you've had on so many other kids as well. What's your long game? What ultimate impact do you want to have? Our long game is to become an urban Disney, to be a global leader in children's content, music, and technology. And ironically enough, you know, Walt Disney is right here from our hometown of Kansas City. Yes. So it's almost like history repeating itself. And that's what I see on the table. And that's, that's kind of our long game. And and that's what I'm dedicated to pursuing and bringing to life. And now it's just like I'm walking out and manifesting it. And it just, you know, it takes time. It takes commitment and and just like true perseverance to to see something like that to life. You're certainly on your way. There's no question about that. And you are making a huge difference. So thank you so much for being with us on this episode of Banking on KC. And we wish you all the success in the world. Thank you so much. This is Joe Close, president of Country Club Bank. Thank you to Roy Scott for being our guest on this episode of Banking on KC. Financial literacy, science themes, mindfulness, fun-loving panda bears. These aren't the usual messages and characters you'll find in hip-hop music. Roy, a hip-hop musician, had a life-changing moment when he heard his young son singing his songs containing lyrics about drugs and violence. He realized he didn't want that influence on his son or any other kid either, and healthy hip-hop was born. Our youth are the foundation of our society. They're our next generation of leaders supporting and developing our young people through role modeling and programs that promote mental and physical health. Educational achievement and personal empowerment is one of the best investments we can make in our community. Thanks for tuning in this week. We're banking on you, Kansas City. Country Club Bank, member FDIC.